Brilliant. Never knew we had such uh, good acting skills among our congregation. Uh, if you've got your Bible uh, there, it'd be really good just to open it back there to Matthew. And we're going to just think some more about those words uh, that Jesus spoke for the younger ones. If you want to follow along on your sheets uh, as well, that would be, that'd be great. I wonder, uh, what do you do when, when someone hurts or offends you? Or what do you, what do you want to do? Uh, when someone hurts or offends you. For the, uh, the younger ones, uh, how does it make you feel, uh, say, if someone calls you names or pushes you over? How do you react to that? Maybe think, think back to the last time that happened, you were hurt or offended or, or pushed or, or called names. How did you respond? We, uh, we want to try to get even, don't we? That's what we do because we've got sinful hearts. We want to try and get even and, and get our own back and make people pay. When someone pushes you, you want to, you want to push them back. When someone says something nasty to you, 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 you quickly want to say something nasty back. A bit like we saw there Ollie and Belinda doing. This, uh, this week in the news, I saw a, uh, a report about two neighbours that had fallen out. I'm not sure why that really made the national news, but it, it did. Uh, two neighbours had fallen out. Uh, there was a tree that overlapped uh, uh, within one neighbour's garden. It overlapped another neighbour's drive. Uh, and they, there was a disagreement about this tree because what was happening, there was birds coming and landing in the tree and making a mess uh, on the neighbour's drive. So he didn't, he didn't like it, but it wasn't his tree. Uh, and so there'd been some arguments. Anyway, one day he came back uh, and... Uh, the tree had just been cut in half, straight down the middle. Uh, the neighbour that didn't like the birds messing on his drive had just uh, taken a chainsaw and cut the tree uh, right in half. And the, the BBC got, got news of this story and they, they did some coverage on it. And they talked to another neighbour uh, down the street. And this is what that neighbour said. He said, it looks awful, uh, speaking about the tree. Uh, they are going to be at each other's throats now, but it's done and you can't undo it. Uh, we've got a war on our hands with them too. That's what happens, isn't it? Someone does something, we retaliate, then revenge, and, and the cycle gets uh, bigger and bigger. I'll give you a, a more personal example uh, of uh, retaliation. When I was at school, uh, 13, uh, 14, maybe around that age, uh, not uh, uh, kind of same, same age as, as some of you, uh, I was playing football at lunchtime. That was kind of every lunchtime we, we played football. Uh, and what one day I got fouled. It wasn't an accidental foul, it was a, it was a purposeful foul. Uh, and someone kicked me, uh, I fell over, and I just kind of uh, remembered it uh, all the way through the game. And after the game, I saw the boy that had fouled me, and I went over to him while he was sat on the floor, and I kicked him back. Not very Christian, in fact, not Christian at all. That's uh, sin, that's what our sinful hearts like to do. We like to get revenge. And that's clearly not how Jesus' followers are to respond. Over the, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, haven't we? And as Victoria said, it, it reveals to us what it means to follow Jesus. How people who belong to God's kingdom uh, should live. And we're going to look at these verses that Victoria read to us from Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at them in two halves. We're going to look at the first half. And then we'll have another song uh, and a memory verse, and then we'll look at the second half. And in the first half, I think the big lesson is that we don't try to get even. 
That's the big lesson. People who belong to God's kingdom, people who are Jesus' followers, don't try to get even. Let's see that for ourselves in the Bible, because that's always really important. Uh, Look there at verse 38. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Jesus is quoting there directly from the Old Testament, from the, the law, the books of Moses. I'll read you the, the full bit, what the law God gave to the people of Israel, what it says. It says, anyone who injures their neighbor is to be injured in the same manner. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. The one who has inflicted the injury must suffer the same injury. Anyone who ever kills an animal must make restitution. Whoever kills a human being is to be put to death. That's what God, God's law says. An eye for an eye, a, a tooth for a tooth. Now that sounds a little bit, doesn't it? Like it may be an encouragement to retaliation. You punch me in the eye. Well, I can punch you in the eye. But why did God give that law to his people? God gave that law to his people uh, to limit violence and to prevent this kind of cycle of revenge that we saw uh, with Belinda uh, and Ollie. This kind of escalation of insults and, and hurt. Let me try to illustrate how it does that. Say you were, you were an Israelite uh, and you were out hunting. You have your bow and arrow with you. Uh, you're out hunting in the field and accidentally you shoot your neighbor's cow. <laughs> what do you think your neighbor's going to think? He's not going to be happy. But this law was there. It was, it was given to stop your neighbor uh, marching round to your house uh, full of anger and, and starting a fight with you. Because it meant that your neighbor has somewhere to go. He, he can go to the, the, the town court and there's a law there that says if, if you've shot his cow, you have to give him another cow back. It means that your neighbor is going to think twice about punching your teeth in. Because he knows if he punches your teeth in, then he's going to lose his teeth as well. So it's there to prevent uh, violence and this cycle of, of revenge. But in Jesus' day, it seems this law had got a little bit twisted and it had been used as an excuse to get revenge. So it had been taken out of the, the law courts where it belonged. And it had been used in personal relationships. A bit like I said before, you punch me in the eye, that gives me every excuse to punch you in the eye. After all, an eye for an eye and a, a tooth for, for a tooth. So what does Jesus say to people who were, were teaching that? Well, Jesus uh, says this. Look at verse 39. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. That sounds strange, doesn't it? Do not resist the one who is evil. I think context is really important here. This is about personal relationships. Some people take this verse and say, oh, if we're not meant to resist anyone who's evil, well, we don't need a police force. Why, 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 why have a police force if we're not meant to resist anyone who's evil? But the, the context is in our, our personal relationships. And Jesus gives us uh, three pictures to help us understand what it means, uh, do not resist the evil person. And I've got a couple of visual aids here. Here's the first one. 
Anyone know what this is? Someone shout it out. A gardening glove. Why have I got a gardening glove? Well, if any of the young ones are following along on their sheet, uh, you'll see there's a picture of the glove. And that goes with something that Jesus says. Listen to Jesus' words. He says, But I say to you, do not resist the evil person. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Jesus is saying if someone insults us, it's kind of in, in that Eastern culture that the greatest insult was really to slap someone on the cheek. If someone insults us, we're to show by the way we respond that we don't need to retaliate. We have, have no need to get even. Imagine you younger ones, you're in the, the playground and there's a bit of a, a disagreement breaks out, a bit of an argument and someone pushes you. Well, Jesus says you've got to respond and react in a way that shows you don't need to retaliate. You don't need to, to get even. That's the first uh, picture that Jesus gives us about uh, not resisting the person who's evil. Turn the other cheek. Here's a second object. I'm not going to keep this on for very long because I'll get too hot. Oh dear, can't even get dressed. There we go. A coat, a coat. Why have we got a, a coat? Well, listen to what Jesus says. He says, if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your coat also. Again, you can see from those words, the context is the kind of legal, legal one, the, the suing, taking someone to court. Jesus says, if someone's trying to take even the, the shirt off your back, give them, give them your coat also. Do not resist an evil person. As, as Christians, sometimes we face uh, hostility. Sometimes people hate us because we belong to Jesus. And Jesus says here, Christians aren't just simply to stand on their legal rights so they're safe and secure. No, he says, someone tries to take your shirt, give them your coat also. What about the third object? The third job object is, in fact, the backpack. Why have we got a backpack? Well, listen uh, to what Jesus says. He says, verse 41, and if someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Back in Jesus' day, there was a, a law uh, that said if there was a Roman soldier uh, and they asked you to carry their pack for a thousand steps or about a mile, you had to do it. But that was as far as they could make you. So if you were out working in the field and a Roman army came past and all the soldiers were there, they retired, one of them could compel you to carry his bag for a mile. But that was it. After a mile, you could put it down and, and go back. As a Jew, that was uh, humiliating. It was a reminder that you were occupied by the, the Roman army. They would have hated to do that. But Jesus says, if someone uh, compels you to go one mile, then Go to, go, go the extra mile. 
Imagine uh, a boss at work who's always demanding, who's never rewarding, who's often criticizing. The temptation would be, wouldn't it, to, to drag your feet, to do the bare minimum as soon as it hits five o'clock uh, to leave work. And Jesus says, go the extra mile. Each of these examples is about not trying to get even. I'm not demanding your rights. Quite the opposite. Jesus says Christians are to be marked by being really generous. Marked by love. That's what he says there in uh, verse 41. 41 and 42. Give to the one who begs from you. Do not refuse to the one who would borrow from you. Far from wanting to get our own back and get even, Christians, those who belong to God's kingdom, are to be uh, generous and loving. And we're going to think about that more in the second half of the passage. But for now, let's just get hold of this lesson. Don't try to get even. Younger ones, think about your relationships at school. Think about your relationships with your brothers and sisters. Sometimes brothers and sisters fall out, don't they? But Jesus says, don't try to get even. To the older ones, it's easy, isn't it? When people hurt or offend us, it's really easy to hold on to that in our hearts, to mull it over and, and let it stew. We, we probably don't retaliate with our fists, but it's easy to have a, a vengeful heart. It's easy to use our, our words the things we say to others about that person who's hurt or offended us, to get our own back that way. But Jesus says, don't try to get even. As Christians, as I said, we live in a world that is often hostile. We've thought about that, haven't we, in the Sermon on the Mount? Remember what Jesus said? Blessed are you. Blessed are you when others revalue and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. On my account, we should expect this as Christians. And Jesus says, don't try to get even. And Jesus is a great example, isn't he, of this? Think about him as he, as he went to the cross. Think about the, the mocking, the, the spitting, the name calling, the, the crown of thorns. And listen to what Peter writes in his letter. He says, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats, but he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. What an, what an example we have in the Lord Jesus. We're going to have a memory verse uh, now, Gordon and Kirsty are going to come and teach us a verse uh, together. And after that, we'll have, have another song and then we'll think about the next half of the passage. Wonderful words to that song, aren't they? While we were his enemies, uh, God showed us his love. Get your Bibles again and pop them back open to where we were, were looking at from Matthew chapter 5. We've learned, haven't we, uh, that when we're hurt and offended, we shouldn't try to get even. Don't try to get even. So what, what should we do? Uh, well, Jesus uh, goes on to tell us in verses 43 and onwards. He starts again with a, a quote 
uh, from the Old Testament uh, law again, or, or a kind of half a quote. Listen, uh, you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbour and hate your enemy. It's a, a kind of partial quote from the Old Testament law. The Old Testament law certainly says, uh, love your neighbour. But it seems that someone has added on there in the teaching, but hate your enemies. Maybe that's what the teachers of the day were we're saying, oh, if you've got to love your neighbour, uh, then clearly that means it's, it's fine to, to hate your enemies. So that's what they, they taught. What does Jesus uh, think about that? Love your neighbour, but hate your enemies. Well, uh, listen to verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Those words, uh, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, they're really easy to say. They're really easy to read. They're extremely uh, difficult to do. Extremely difficult. Think about that boy and girl at school who maybe makes life hard for you or who calls you names. It's hard, isn't it, to bite your tongue and not get even? even harder to share your sweets uh, with them. (laughs) Harder to come home at night and pray for them. Not just kind of short mechanical prayers, but heartfelt prayers, really wanting God to do them uh, good and bless them. Think about that person maybe at work or maybe even a family member who always just seems to be against you. No matter what you do. Always, always finding fault. Always looking to trip you up. Jesus says, love your enemies. Love them generously. Pray for them. What do you, what do you think about Jesus' words? Love your enemies. Uh, pray for them. Turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. Some people think this is kind of Impossible. Or find an ideal world, but not in not in this world. It's in, impossible, they say. It's really important for us to see uh, why we should love our enemies. This isn't instruction for all the people of the world. This is instruction for people who live in God's kingdom, who are Jesus' uh, disciples. And the reason we should love our enemies, Jesus says, is so that we will be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Why should we love our enemies? Because that is what our Father in heaven does. That's that's what he's like. The world is is full of people who hate God, full of people who have have turned their, their back on God. Think about the Garden of Eden. Right back at the beginning, Adam and Eve, put in that beautiful garden, given abundant blessings and they turn away from God. They go their own way and they become God's enemies. The world is full of people who have turned away from God and yet God continues. Every morning, what do you see when you open the curtains? There's the sun and the sun shines on everyone. That's what what Jesus, that's the point Jesus is Making God doesn't use the weather to show who's good and, and who's bad. Imagine if it was like that. Imagine you, you go down the street and the sun is shining. And you think, oh, there's a, there's a good person shining over their house. 
They must be a good person. Go a bit further down the street and over another house, there's kind of thunderclouds and lightning bolts striking at the chimney. Oh, they're a baddie. They must be bad. Imagine you, you, you look out at the farmer's fields and there's some fields that are just like growing. They get just the right amount of rain. They get lots and lots of sun. Oh, he must be a, he must be a good guy, that farmer. And then next door is a field that's absolutely bone dry. It hasn't rained on that field all year. Oh, that must be a, a bad farmer. He must be someone who, who doesn't have God's favour. That's, that's not what God does, is it? God uh, gives his uh, sun and rain on 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 Christians, on those who aren't Christians. God loves his enemies. He loves his enemies. I've got one more uh, item in this bag. Here we go. A lovely bar of, of chocolate. Who likes chocolate? Let's have a show of hands. Yeah, most, most hands have, have gone up. Most uh, people like chocolate. Sh- sharing chocolate is sometimes hard, isn't it? When you like chocolate, sharing chocolate is, is sometimes hard. It's hard sometimes when you, when you love someone to share your chocolate with them. But what about sharing your chocolate with someone uh, who doesn't love you? Someone who, who hates you. Someone who gives you nothing except a hard time. Chocolate's a, a small example. Sharing our time, sharing our money, sharing our care with those uh, who hate us. Jesus says... Love your enemies because that's what your father is like. He continues day after day to pour his goodness out on a a world of rebels. And the truth that God loves his enemies is is really at the heart of the gospel, isn't it? Right at the heart of, of the gospel. See, the fact that God loves his enemies doesn't just provide us with an example. It provides us with hope. We, we are his enemies. We were his enemies. And while we were his enemies, Jesus Christ died for us. Maybe there's someone listening this afternoon, you're, you're not yet a Christian. You've not yet come to, to trust Jesus and find all your hope in him. Don't want you to get the wrong end of the stick as we go through the Sermon on the Mount. You don't become a Christian by trying really hard to be good. <laughs> you don't become a Christian by trying really hard to love your enemies and stay pure and not get angry. You become a Christian because you realise that you, you're one of God's enemies. You've rejected him. But you've come to just find great hope because you know that God loves his enemies. And he's shown that because he sent his son to die for you. That's right at the heart of the Christian message. We sang about it just then in that song. Paul, the apostle, he wrote about it in Romans. This is what Paul writes. God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, enemies, Jesus Christ died for us. In Jesus Christ, the son, the generous, costly love of God comes to meet us. That's the, the wonder of, of the gospel message, the good news message. We don't deserve it. We were enemies, but God has, has loved us. And when we know God as Father through Jesus Christ, we will begin to reflect something of our, our Father's likeness. It will be a case of like Father, like Son. God loves his enemies. Here's a story to close, a powerful uh, story about uh, the love of God at work 
in the life of his people. It was November 1944, and Corrie was stunned by the look in Betsy's eyes, full of love and compassion, even for the prison guard who was beating Betsy unmercifully. Corrie Temboon, younger sister, Corrie Temboon's younger sister Betsy, Corrie Temboon, younger than her sister Betsy by nine years, could not stand by and watch any longer. She would never forget the hate in the guard's face as she whipped Betsy violently. The beating finally stopped. The guard threatened and ordered all the women back to work. Corrie was still reeling from the scene and she rushed to comfort her now bleeding sister. I hate that woman, she said of the prison guard. And then Corrie stopped. She was puzzled by the look in Betsy's face. Don't hate Corrie. Pray for that woman, Betsy whispered. That's an amazing story, isn't it? Such love in the, in the face of hate. That's what we're called to as God's people. Don't, don't try to get even. Love your enemies because our Father in heaven loves his enemies. We're going to pray.